It's time for Takes on Takes. You know the drill. You give us the takes. We'll give you takes on your takes today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dude, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Joe, happy Friday! Happy Friday! Happy first head coaching vacancy is filled day to you. That was quick, real quick. Gerard Mail, new head coach, New England Patriots. Which kind of before the hiring process started, kind of the expectation around the franchise was that there was a succession plan in place and i believe Gerard mayo didn't he like decline interviews previously with the expectation that this was going to be an opportunity afforded so right uh we'll see what what happens here um i think doubling down on the patriot way with somebody who has no experience as a head coach and no further connections from his coaching experiences to tap into to help aid the other side of the ball and uh, a continuation of a methodology that has not worked in the last four years is an interesting choice, but uh, we'll see if the Patriots stay down or if they get back up on their feet. Did you listen to, uh, it was like a 10-minute presser. I wouldn't even call it a presser. It was a statement from Belichick and a statement from Robert Kraft. Did you get a chance to watch that? Uh, I saw clips. I didn't see the whole thing. So I, I watched it, and something that stood out to me that is applicable to this decision was when Robert Kraft got up there, he mentioned that he regretted after the 1996 season, when Belichick served as the Patriots assistant head coach and DB's coach, he said, I regretted not hiring him to be the head coach after that season. And of course he went to the jets for three years uh, before eventually coming back to the new England Patriots. This very much feels like Robert Kraft being around Gerard Mayo really since 2008 and saying, you know, like this is my guy. And he b- yeah. probably believes in himself. He's like, yeah, I, I, I identified Bill. I knew he was going to be great. Eventually hired him at the most successful run in the history of the NFL. And I got my guy here in Gerard Mayo. And I'm with you, dude. Like, to me, it's it's doubling down on something that doesn't really work without Tom Brady. Uh, I'm concerned about the depth of Gerard Mayo's connections in the NFL, given his only time has ever been with the New England Patriots, and I wonder if it just means, hey, Bill O'Brien, you're still going to – everything's the same. I'm just going to be the head coach. Steve Belichick's the defensive coordinator. Like, is it just going to be that? Are we getting real change? I don't think we are, and that's my concern about this move. I think you're getting real change with football operations, but not from a approach to the organization. And we'll see what they ultimately end up doing. But, like, this opens the door to hire a general manager and kind of have that flow be different as compared to Bill doing everything. But like the way they play football, is it is their approach to playing games going to change? Right. No, probably right. not. Right. 
I, I thought to myself yesterday when the Belichick news came through, and I hate to say this, the first thought that I had was, man, what is what are they going to do with Juwan Bentley and Giovanni Tavai with the contract extensions they just signed? Because they can only play for Bill, right? Yeah. So, it's, it, it's, that's the silver lining here is they have a lot yeah. of specified talent under contract that they can continue to use this specified talent under contract. All right. Shall we get into the takes? We'll... Uh, yeah. I feel like it's a good segue into Justin's take, It's which is about Bill Belichick. Uh, we'll just say the take and then we'll deal with it. Justin says, Bill Belichick is an overrated head coach. His success is tied to Brady more than his own abilities. His record without Brady is alarming. His ability to bring talent to New England without Brady as QB1 was non-existent. And his drafting is horrendous. Give me Mike Tomlin all day over Bill. I want to push back here, Kyle. Okay. Go ahead. Because if we're being honest about the entire thing, early Patriots dynasty was Bill and the defensive genius that he is, right? Like this is one of the best defensive minds in the history of football. And that's why they were successful. Then Tom Brady really emerged as this unbelievable talent in terms of what he can do mentally, decision-making accuracy, and the offense started to really pick up. They kind of needed each other to do what they did. Um, and I don't think either one is, is, is as strong without the other. Um, but I, I, don't feel, I don't feel super compelled to diminish Bill Belichick. We all know what it is without Tom Brady. And to me, if you want to make this about him being a GM, sure, I think he's a terrible GM. But I think the guy can still coach. And I think that um, – he he absolutely maximized every bit of the opportunity that he had with the New England Patriots and deserves to be mentioned among the greatest coaches of all time. Yes, it's very true. And, you know, it's the same way that uh, Bill Walsh was to some degree dependent upon Joe Montana and having the right fit. You know, for, for all of the talk about system quarterbacks, they're situation coaches and yeah. um, they, they are codependent on each other. So I think it's it's very fair to say. Now, if you exclude the 20 year sample size of the overlap, yeah, it's pretty bad, but the 20 year overlap still exists. And, and as you said, uh, up until Oh seven, it was really the defense and bill and efficient offense. And then Welker and Randy Moss come to town in Oh seven. Yeah. You score 589 points. Good Lord. And things are very that many. And and that 589 points, yeah. That's so many points in 16 games. uh, 36.8 points. And they were fourth in scoring defense. Their uh, point differential was plus 19 points per game. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. That was when it kind of flipped. And it was like, okay, like Tom's. Him. Tom's him. Yeah. (laughs) Which you could, you know, expand that and have a really interesting conversation around system quarterbacks and then you surround Tom Brady with Wes Welker and Randy Moss and he throws for 4,800 yards and 50 touchdowns. And then what his evolution beyond that point looked like, I think there's, you know, we, we get so wrapped up in these quarterback conversations. Mm-hmm. This, this, this take had nothing to do with that, but the evolution of Tom Brady's career, I think is a really interesting one to reflect on time. If time is afforded and situation and who's around you and, how a player can evolve over time. And I think a much lesser degree, I certainly don't want to invoke this name immediately after Tom, but it's kind of the continuation of the thought. Jared Goff in LA with 
um, Fisher and then with McVeigh and then going to Detroit and what that evolutions look like and what his production looks like. And so, yeah, like there's a lot of lessons to be learned from the Belichick Brady era Patriots. And I don't think it's totally smart. I was joking yesterday when I called Belichick a Brady merchant, but, uh, he, we got to uh, get our jokes off, man. Come yes, on. We're, we're going to. We're going <laughs> right. to get our punches when we can. Um, right. By, he, by he landed haymakers for 20 years. You know, forgive us if we have a little jab on the way out. Right. I'm good. All right. Uh, we got a big meaty conversation to get into regarding Nick Saban, Alabama, the future there. So let's get to that on the other side of things. So be sure to stick with us, but folks, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is here for you, and it is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets, all-in prices. They give you a view from your seat so you know what to expect when you get to the venue and the best price guarantee. I love the app. It's super easy to navigate, and the flash deals are so cool. Sometimes I just log in from time to time just to see what type of deals I can get on the flash deals that for events that are happening in my area. So snag this the tickets without this distress. I mean, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Joe, real quick. This is for talking Brady Belichick, can I give you my new favorite statistic from the 2023 NFL season and kind of like the last couple of years, but mainly 2023 NFL season? Would love to hear it. Okay, so I want to give you uh, statistics for a couple of guys. Uh, Sam Howell, first time quarterback for the Washington Commanders, um, led the league in sacks taken this year. You know how many sacks he took? I guess close to 60, 65, 65 sacks this year. First overall pick Bryce Young with the Carolina Panthers led the league in sack yardage taken. Uh, how many times was he sacked? 55, uh, 62. So 65, 65 and 62 sacks. The last three years of Tom Brady's career. Oh boy. With the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> know where this is going. Okay. He attempted. 2,062 pass attempts. Okay. How many times was he sacked, and how many yards did he lose on those sacks? Across uh, three seasons? Uh, across three seasons and twenty, uh, almost 2,100 pass attempts. Okay, I'll say he was sacked 45 times and lost 382 yards. Okay, so you're, you're close. 65 times sacked in three seasons, which is as many times as Sam Howe was sacked this season alone. And Tom Brady attempted 2,062 pass attempts. It's the mobility, Bryce, Kyle. It's the it's movement skills. Bryce Young was sacked 62 times and lost 477 yards. Tom Brady, across 2,062 pass attempts in three seasons in Tampa Bay, 50 games, lost 447 yards. So 30 yards less on three more sacks in three seasons. Donovan Smith has uh, a lot to say in terms of thank yous to Tom Brady when you're a pocket quarterback and you're going to be a million dollar contract this year. You're going right? to be just just right there. You're you're not going to be anywhere besides five yards of depth. And the never ball's anywhere. Be out right when it's supposed to. Right. 
right? I think we've learned a lot as a football community about sacks, right? And, and they're not they're not all the same in terms of an offense and who to blame. And it's not just offensive line, right? Uh, it's it's a compelling thing there. All right, fun stat. Anything else? No, that's I'm good. Right, talk a little Saban here. Uh, Benjamin says over the next five to ten years. Alabama will fall out of the top tier of college football programs. Says anyone but Saban is a step back. As the on-field product becomes more subject to fluctuation, they will lose their status as the go-to school for elite talent. They won't be able to maintain their level of success in recruiting and development within the new context of college sports that will favor schools whose deep pockets are not dependent on on-field successes like Texas, Michigan, Georgia, etc., that are all more closely tied to larger, wealthier geographic areas and fan bases. I would not put it past the University of Alabama to find a way to figure out, have the boosters align and get the dollars needed to stay at the top of the mountain. I just don't think Nick Saban was particularly interested in participating in that song and dance. Yeah. Case in point, um, they've lost two games in each of the last three seasons. And the narrative with Bryce Young coming out was, yeah, he didn't really have anybody to throw the ball to. And then Jalen Milrow, with that transition, it took him a while to kind of get settled in to be the quarterback. And you see these other teams that have this rapid onboarding process and make these sudden transitions and segues and I think that's a really important part of the hire for Alabama with whoever they choose to go with don't you dare hire Dabo because what the take that you have you're already seeing with Dabo Swinney and Clemson 100% yeah so don't hire that guy yeah you if you hire Dabo then yeah I think this is a factual take I think you can get hires to avoid this and Alabama with their prestige since Saban came into the picture I certainly would say is um, has the mentality of the program and the boosters and everybody around that program in a place where, where they can avoid that being a fact. I think where I really push back on this take is the reasons Benjamin is pointing to for Alabama falling out of the top tier of college football programs, making it about resources. Like you said, Alabama's got the deep pockets. They're going to be just fine. We we've uh, we've been to Alabama. We we know what type of polls yep. there, brother. We've been on golf courses in Alabama. We know we know what's going on down there. They got what they need uh to to get the talent and stay competitive. If they're going to regress, it's just going to be because Nick Saban's not their head coach and that's the greatest coach of all time. There's a regression there. And I have a hard time about thinking of someone else coaching Alabama. I really do. Um and I don't envy that successor to Nick Nick Saban. I think that's a tough job. And it, it kind of feels like their top candidate already said no in Lanning over at Oregon, who, I mean, the Nike Phil Knight situation there makes Oregon one heck of a spot to be, right? Like I, I kind of get it. Um, but but the question now for me with Alabama is, well, who's it gonna be? Who who's this who is it gonna be? Is it Mike Norvell? Is that really the move? Is it right? Who who are we talking about? Lane Kiffin doesn't feel like they're going to go down that route. Who, who Dabo can't be Dabo, cannot be Dabo. That would be you're be you're going to be a disastrous hire, absolute disaster. Who's the name? Is it DeBoer from Washington? 
a great great run from Fresno to Washington. Like I like that, but he, he's I mean, got excellent is, odds. Yeah, dude, this is massive. Norvell current currently uh, on FanDuel Sportsbook, the betting favorite at plus two hundred. Dabo's twenty second plus three hundred, and DeBoer is is tied at plus three hundred. What's the appeal with Norvell? He's done a good job of uh, with the transfer portal at Florida State. Yeah, I don't I don't love his football. Do you? I mean, no. But what did what did Nick Saban no, say? He said, what, you, "What's what's the conversation about like with Mike Norvell if if Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt and they make the sure. college football playoff right. and they win a game? Because sure. I think they you can make an argument they had the best defense in the country out of the college football finalist candidates." Do, do you remember the quote um, from Nick Saban's introductory press conference at Alabama? He said, "You hired a." dog blank coach but nobody will out recruit me is that really what it comes down to but it's different today it's it different. Is different today who's it gonna be man oh coach DeBoer sitting here with a 104 and 12 coaching record and hit the portal to get washington into the the national championship game at washington does not feel like a small feat no He's that, gonna have to surround it, himself with SEC people, right? He's a South Dakota guy to Fresno State to uh, Washington. If if I were Alabama, that would probably be the guy at the top of my list. I don't know if that's a take that isn't of interest to you or not. I'm I'm interested in all of it because it fascinates me, and I get a little I get nervous about it. Like I really do. Like who's this gonna be? Can they do it? Like you you have such a high expectation and you hold it in such a high regard that. It it's it feels like it's a hard gig. Like is it is it possible for the next person to come in and just keep it going? And what type of appetite does Alabama have? Like you've seen this happen, dude. Like legendary, never to the extent of Nick Saban, but you've seen coaches, well established program, and then they spin their tires for a long time trying to get that replacement. Yep. Is it going to foul that happen to Alabama? What's the what's the leash like? Is George oh, just going to run away with this thing? Sarkeesian's now in the SEC? The galaxy, galaxy brain. What happens if um, what happens if Ohio State lands Vrabel because Ryan Day's not beating Michigan and Ryan Day's out on the market? What's your appetite there? I mean, you feel good about a history of success at a blue blood program. Right. Handed, handed the reins of a Blue blood, very talented program and sustaining that success, even if Michigan has surpassed you in the last three years. What's Urban Meyer up to? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I that was a, that was absolutely, absolutely a joke. All right. We ready to, to move on from Saban and Belichick here? Yep. Let's do it. <laughs> let's get one in here. We'll get to a break and some more. Uh, Weekly Huddle says Cam Ward will be the better pro player than Michael Penix. Bo Nix and uh, Jalen Daniels. I want to believe this is factual. That said, I do think he is the most raw of the players that are mentioned here. And because of that, he doesn't, he doesn't have the cannon that Penix has. He doesn't have the athleticism that Daniels has. Who is the other name? Bo Nix? Nix, yeah. And he doesn't have the experience that, that Bo Nix has. So I think he comes up short in individual areas of the resume versus all three of those names. 
but I think he has the most potential as a passer relative to all three of those names. And I think his rawness as a player was a triple option quarterback in high school. Will lend itself favorably. He's played two years at the power five level. Lends itself favorably to him, maybe getting underdrafted potentially, and then being in a place where he can have a good environment around him and be developed as compared to like, we're talking about Jaden Daniels being a top five pick in the draft and going to a bad football team. Yeah. I get a little, I get a little Joe Philbin queasy thinking about the idea of a top five pick and Jaden Daniels and asking him to develop as a player in a bad environment. So sounds like last year. So I want to believe. Sounds like a maybe, and you like the possibility of the landing spot that could uh, unlock yes. Cam Ward. All right, yeah. I, I dig it. All right, we got more to get to here. We're going to talk Stafford, Fields, other stuff, so stick with us. But, folks, I know we come to sports to escape some of the crazy realities of life, but can we talk just for a minute about being prepared for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade, and that's scary. I can't imagine a more ho- helpless feeling than if one of my loved ones got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from having the life-saving medications that they needed. Well, thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including respiratory infections, UTIs, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us, so be sure to visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. That will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. Have you seen this ESPN Emmys story from The Athletic? I've seen some headlines, but I haven't dug in to really know what it's about. Okay. So just this is a, uh, it was on my Yahoo page. And it's aggregated from CNN by Oliver Darcy and Liam Riley. And I'll just, I'll just kind of read you the premise of what happened here. This is outrageous. ESPN returned dozens of Emmy statues and, quote, disciplined employees after an investigation disclosed Thursday found that the sports network had submitted fake names to the awards organization in a bid to secure trophies for on-air personalities who had been ineligible to receive them. Parent fraud stretched back to 1997. ESPN said in a statement acknowledging that members of its team were clearly wrong for concocting the scheme. Uh, the Athletic, which broke the story of the scheme on Thursday, reported that over the years when ESPN was given the prestigious awards using fictitious names, the broadcaster had them re-engraved and then handed them out to personalities who had been ineligible to receive them. What are we doing? <laughs> what in the world, man? <laughs> Don't put anything past anybody. That's what I've learned right. in my life. Don't put anything past anybody. Right. <laughs> Jeez. You were at ESPN as an on-air talent. Is it really that important to get, get an Emmy? Who felt it was so important for you to get an Emmy? Weird. Weird. That's weird. And, and then, like, the investigation, Athletic reported there was no evidence that the staffers who received the awards were aware of the behind-the-scenes fraud but yet somebody had to get them re-engraved before giving them out. 
Right. There's layers here. Right. <laughs> Early candidate for weird sports media story of the year. ESPN fake Emmy gate, I guess. A lot of, a lot of ball game left, though. A lot of ball in, game left. In honor of Bill Belichick, we have a scandal. <laughs> Bill Belichick's going to coach some other team. That's weird, too. That's super weird. It'd be his, his third team. Well, people forget that, right? Yeah. You had me cracking up with that show. <laughs> that was good. All right, let's uh, let's get back to it here. We got a good one uh, from Joe at work, uh, my favorite uh, username out there. Joe at work says, at the conclusion of the 2024 roster evaluations, Kyle and Joe will conclude that the Packers, pass catchers, wide receivers, and tight ends will be a top 10 unit in the NFL, and that's without factoring in the total cap hit of $12.3 million, which is lower than 28 individual wide receivers and seven individual tight ends. I doubt it. Can we do the thing? No, well, that, that could get a little dicey. But I, I can see where he's going. Like, we certainly it's had a very concerns. promising group. Yeah, a lot of Wicks looks really good, and Reed, and Watson, and Dobbs, and Musgrave, and Kraft. And he... And let, <laughs> let me ask you that. How many of those players do you feel convicted are going to be in a bucket that's not incomplete evaluation probably not many so that's going to make right. it tough yeah right that's going to make it tough but we can put them into leaned buckets but i mean the packers right now their entire skill group if you include the running backs is 20th in the league we got some adjustments to make. There. Yeah, we have to. We have to update everything. Yeah, yeah. but I'm saying we we're, if we're going to update everybody, I just don't see them making that big of a monumental leap unless they bring in a stabilizing veteran presence. Because that does not include, or that includes running backs too, which mm-hmm. is Green Bay's strongest area. I think what I can appreciate about the take from Joe at work is that this was a roll of the dice to have so many young developing players around Jordan love and it's looking pretty good. And you're, I think there's still, they still got to kind of sort out who their, who their best ones are that they're going to funnel the passing game through, but it feels like a good problem to have because there's a lot of seemingly good options. Right. So it took some time, right? I mean, it, I mean, it wasn't lightning in a bottle from the outset and it had its rough patch in the middle, but it certainly feels like it's trending in the right direction, and it's obviously young, talented players, which should get you quite excited. I'm excited right. most about Wicks. And you and I both liked him coming out of 2021, and then that Virginia offense was a joke the first year under oh, Tony, Tony Elliott. Elliott. Yeah, you, it was like, well, did Tavian Wicks, I, I, 2021 still happened, and the, the route running, the body control, the hand, it was so good. And then he kind of was forgotten, and then here he is. Like, oh, yeah, he can still play. Uh, next one here from Kyle. I didn't mean for it to be Joe at work and then Kyle. This is just how it goes. Kyle says the Matthew Stafford revenge game narrative makes no sense. Stafford asked to be traded and was given permission immediately, which led to him going to L.A. And after some Cabo tampering, winning the Super Bowl, he has nothing he needs to get revenge for. That still doesn't remove the element of right. a revenge. 100%. Okay, then it's a Detroit Lions revenge game. Matt Stafford wanted to break up with you. Yeah. You can be amicable about the situation, but there's always going to be a piece when you're playing against a team that you used to be a part of, especially you're the number one pick, you're the quarterback for a long time, record setting quarterback. 
come on, you know, like you want to play well in that game as as much as any game you're going to play. It's it's absolutely a thing. And he's going back to that stadium. Yeah. Which means a lot, I'm sure. And you could, you could, if you're a Lions fan, go ahead and love Matthew Stafford. You don't have to hate him, right? But like. Just don't that, love him on, on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Get out of that one. Love, love him till Sunday morning and love him again on Monday. Right. All right, let's do this one here from Alexi, who says, listener for years, first time take, also a diehard Welcome. Cardinals fan. Welcome. So, so let's take a uh, take a trip down memory lane with our thinking caps. Take the Bears, shoot themselves in the foot with the Justin Fields situation like the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen. The Bears draft a quarterback before trading him. Mm. Get very little in return because it becomes a buyer's market. If they are able to get him off before draft, then Caleb pulls an Eli and refuses to play for them, which leaves them with no quarterback. Justin Fields had done nothing in the NFL but lose. So what is his real market value? Whatever team trades for him has to pay him. So do you give him do you give up four years of a rookie con- rookie contract control for a one year rental? I feel like there would be too many quarterbacks in the draft, free agency, and currently on rosters for the Bears to get what they think they will. You know, you know how I know this is a long-time listener, even though it's a first-time taker? Because this hits on a lot of our mm-hmm. bullet points over the years. Yeah. You've proved yourself as a long-time listener. So thank you for chiming in, and we're a little upset you didn't chime in sooner. Um, so with Arizona, and there was no real reason for them to slow play their decision with Kyler, right? Had the number like one this, pick, whole, this yeah. whole staring contest with the rest of the league about Josh Rosen, and it's it it the momentum by the beginning of April was there that they were going to draft Kyler Murray, and they hold out, hold out, hold out, hold out, hold out, hold out. They eventually get a two and a five on draft night after drafting Kyler the night before, and I think he brings a good point. The, the, the biggest difference between, never mind their their skill sets and who they are as players right now, and what Josh was back then, the biggest differentiating factor that works against Fields is the contract. Hundred percent. So I do think that does already put a cap on what a team is going to trade you for him. Competitive team looking for a, a flyer on a quarterback might trade you too. I, I think his ceiling is somewhere around the value that the Cardinals got for Rosen in the first place. Because you have one year left on the contract and you have to make a fifth-year option decision, which I doubt anybody's going to do. I mean, maybe you do, but that's a big, that's a big dollar amount. It's kind of similar to Sam Darnold, right? And Ed Fields has shown me more than Sam Darnold. Was that a two, a, a two, a four, and a six they got for Sam? Yeah, I think so. Same exact deal, like in terms of timing. I think there's a, I think there's a two plus out there for Justin Fields, and the the money piece of it, like you don't have to pay him. Well, you, you, you react like the Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson deals didn't just happen, where they traded way more, paid him, and. At least in the case of Russell Wilson, less than two years in, they said we're done with this. Yeah, I don't, I don't find it restrictive at all. Like ideally, he'd be amazing. <laughs> You'd pay him tons of money, but you don't have to. You don't have to give up the two and pay him. You don't have to do that at all. We see teams piss away draft capital all the time in trades. If you're certain teams out there, like the Falcons or you know, the Falcons, <laughs> the Raiders, whatever, like 
Patriots, you should be really interested in giving up a two for Justin Fields. So shame on the Bears if they allow this to happen. Because they're going to know plenty ahead of time if there's a guy that they think is their guy. And then look, if Caleb Williams pulls a Eli Manning on you, you got other quarterbacks to pick from. They'll find somebody. It's not like they're going to be left at, at the altar without a player. That's the piece that I haven't given much thought to. Is Caleb Williams stiff-arming the Bears? I don't know if Caleb's going to go one, regardless. Doesn't it feel like the momentum's there, kind of there for the league to be like, oh, yeah, Drake May? I think it depends on who's who's making the pick. Okay, say Ryan Poles made the pick. I feel like the momentum's with Jaden Daniels. Right. And that's a whole other can of worms we have to (laughs) kind of dive into and open up one. Which we will talk about plenty over the coming months. There you go. Great transition into our close. Uh, So stick with us. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We are locked on NFL Scouting. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Takes on Takes. Enjoy for those of you whose teams are playing Super Wild Card Weekend, which starts tomorrow at 4 o'clock. With the Browns and the Texans, we'll be back on Monday to react to everything that happens throughout the course of the weekend. We hope to see you then.